just felt I had before I start I had a, a word breathing in breathing out might seem like a funny word but I think God is saying before we give out we've got to breathe in and receive what he's giving us he is the breath of life he gives us the words the, the, the direction and then we give it out to others love, joy, peace help, whatever is needed breathe in breathe out alright this morning I want to talk about one body, one mind one purpose how often in your life do you have a get together with different groups of people some of us have family get togethers group of friends we catch up with work colleagues we interact with a club or group of people we're involved with and of course we all have our church I'm sure all of us have experienced one or more of these group get togethers as part of our everyday lives and in that group encountered someone we haven't got along with they rub us up the wrong way or maybe even make life difficult for us I'm certain some of us have experienced being bullied belittled someone that's rude arrogant shows us disrespect or even being actively undermined by someone in the workplace or wherever it is this can make life pretty tough or even miserable these situations are never easy to deal with and can often involve lots of prayer heartache and time it's surprising how just one disruptive person can make a massive difference to the harmony of a group or to our personal happiness our self esteem and effectiveness in life And if I use the example of a workplace, the quality and quantity of our work can be severely affected. I can particularly think of one workplace where a couple of other employees were actively trying to undermine me. One of them was actually the manager of that section of the business who complained to the owner of the business that customers didn't want me to look after them because of how I was treating them. Providentially for me, the owner had just had a few customers contact him singing my praises. So thank you for Jesus for helping me out. Otherwise he may have trusted the word of that manager, which I believe was a false word. I then decided to move to a different part of that company where my earning potential was less but I got along well with everyone there and I was much happier I believe it's true to say that whenever people gather together how we get along and interact with one another makes a big difference to the success or failure of our organisation and in our case our church So today I want us to understand the importance of being one body under Christ, our head, being of one mind with Christ, and living as one with him to achieve his purposes, meaning we're living in unity with God, and as a result of that, with each other. And 
The scripture that I believe that speaks to that is John 17, verses 20 to 23, where Jesus says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so that so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. We're to be one body. We're not created to be islands or lone rangers. We're created to be a family that lives under the head of the family, the father, whom we all work for in the family business. And the purpose of that is to further his interests, which is to seek and save the lost of this world and to bring them back to him. Paul uses the analogy of a body to describe the church in Romans. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Paul also expresses the same concept in 1 Corinthians 12. In fact, in verses 12 to 20, he repeats four times within nine verses to emphasise this critical way of understanding how the church should work. The human body, in verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Verse 14, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Verse 18, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. And again in 20, yes, there are many parts, but only one body. Paul emphasises the point four times there in Corinthians, which means either the Corinthians are a bit slow on the uptake, or more likely, this is a very important concept for us to grasp and understand. Usually in the Bible, if something's repeated even once, it's something that they want to emphasise. But Paul's saying it four times here. So we need to grab hold of this concept and understand it for the function of our church. So if we think about bodies for a minute, how's your body feeling today? Do you have any aches and pains? Is everything working as well as it used to? (laughs) I know I wouldn't say no to reversing the time clock on my body. I wouldn't want to give up all the things I've learnt over the years, but I wouldn't mind putting that back into my 20-year-old body. Why? Because it worked a lot better back then. And I reckon I could put it to much better use now. So the better the body works, the more effective it can be. With the wisdom of hindsight, I might look after it a bit better too. 
let's face it, when, our, when part of our body isn't working properly, or we get sick, we're in pain, it doesn't just mean we can't do as much because we're incapacitated to some degree. It also affects how well the good parts of our bodies function because often they have to compensate for the hurt part as they have to work harder or take more of the load and get tired out. But often that affects our motivation and how we feel as well. And I'm sure Alex with his hand recently has experienced some of that first hand, so to speak. Um, so as a church, we need to be able to work together coherently and effectively so that we're going in the same direction with the same goals knowing where and how each of our contributions collaborate and work with others otherwise we will struggle to achieve anything worthwhile for the kingdom of God we will be like a disabled body why do I think we need to hear this? (laughs) because as I've said before I think we actually do well in this area of working together in unity, harmony and cooperation with one another under God and are one of the better churches I've been involved in. But I do think God still wants us to develop even further. I can see leadership potential in most of the people here and as our church and movement grow, there will be opportunities for all of us to take on greater leadership responsibility and development. I hear... Maybe some people groaning or (laughs) thinking, you may be thinking, I'm not capable or good enough, but God sees infinitely more potential in us than we see in ourselves. As we step out in faith and follow his leading, he will supply all the provision we need and make up for any of our deficiencies and our shortcomings. So let's face it, we're not uh, Jesus. We're just representing him. When we rely on the all-powerful, all-knowing God who created the whole universe and who has put his confidence in us, all things are possible if we only dare to believe. So how does everyone get along in your family when you get together? Well, our church, as I said, is like a family, and as in all families, there can be disagreements and arguments. But I don't think that is necessarily a problem as long as we can handle these situations in the right way with love, honesty, consideration, and forgiveness. Have you ever worked somewhere and everyone got along well and worked well together? Then someone new started and caused a great friction between people polarising the workplace with different people or groups of people now in conflict with one another. Unfortunately, sometimes this can happen in the church, which is why as we grow, we need to be observant of issues and problems that may arise and deal with them as they occur. Sometimes we like to avoid things and pretend they're not happening because of We don't like confrontation and those sort of things, but that's all right. There are some people that are prepared to, so you need to bring them before those people to help you with that.
So if we deal with problems as they arise, then they won't grow into large problems that have seen some churches split and sometimes over the most trivial things like the colour of the hymn books. Someone, that's, that's a true thing that I've spoke to someone that was in a church that that happened to. One wanted red hymn books and one wanted blue hymn books. Or how loud the music should be. That's a very common one. It causes friction between the old and the young. The young, young ones want to pump it. And the old ones are going, oh, it's hurting my ears. It is ironic in my experience that often it seems to be the music we use to worship God that is the very thing that stirs up division in churches. Christ prayed for unity because how we work together and treat each other is part of our witness to the world around us. In the prayer he prays here in John 17, verses 20 to 23, which we read earlier, he prayed just before he was arrested and the next day he went to the cross. Which shows this was one of his final and greatest concerns for his followers and disciples. That is also why we should make this one of our priorities in our church to continue to fulfil his prayer for unity in his body so that as he prays in verse 23 that the world may know that God sent Jesus and he now lives in us as well. We also need to have one mind. Christ is the head of his body, the church. He wants us to be one with him like he is one with the Father. God is one and lives in perfect community with himself as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. He's a family family amongst himself. As we are created in his image, we are created to live in unity, in community with him and each other as well. And in doing so, we witness to the fact of who God is and what he values. Paul addresses this in Romans 15, verses 5 to 6. He says, May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus had in mind to save each one of us and showed his love for us by laying his life down for all of us. Jesus set his mind on heavenly things and obeyed his Father in heaven. He did not get distracted from what his Father's mission and calling were for him by getting caught up in earthly pursuits like power, pleasure, fame and fortune. Remember, they were all the things that Satan tempted him on. But he resisted through God's word and God's provision. But we do live in the world and in the world around us. We live in a rebellious age where obedience and submission to authority are considered dirty words and foolishness. Many people want to decide and direct their own pathways in life that they think will bring them whatever they desire most rather than consider the wisdom of those who may be older, wiser 
and already learned from the same mistakes. Often it is one of the hardest things for us to do to control our minds, to focus our minds on godly pursuits rather than worldly temptations. Sometimes the mind of Christ is making a decision to love someone even though we don't really want to. But when we do love God, we want to know him more and let him shape our character, our thoughts and conform us to have the same mind and concerns as Jesus. He also wants us to have one purpose. He wants his purpose to be our passion. To follow Jesus and do the things that he did. It really comes down to two things. To look after the people you've already got. So to nurture and grow the family of God. To build the existing church, God's kingdom and influence here on earth. But also to grow God's family by reaching out to those who don't believe in him yet with his message of salvation from sin. To reconcile unbelievers to Christ and help them grow in their relationship and love for him so that they can take their place in Christ's body as well. So what did Jesus do? Jesus said in John 5.19, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees his Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. What Jesus said and did is completely directed and in step with what his Heavenly Father is doing. As Jesus followed the leading of his Father... We need to be following Jesus and be led by his spirit to be involved in the same way with him as he was with his father. When Jesus started his ministry, he quoted from Isaiah 61 where he declared what his ministry was going to be all about and said, The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. The ministry of Jesus is what he also calls us to participate in. We are now Jesus' hands, his feet, his voice to those that we meet. To preach the good news of how, like in the year of Jubilee, which he's referring to here, when all debts were cancelled, Jesus has cancelled all our debt to God, which is our sin, and taken the punishment we deserved on himself, so we can be restored into right relationship with him. But there's also practical things, like caring for the poor, healing the sick, and the broken hearted, and do whatever is needed to bring his message of love and care to all who will receive it. But we will never receive his anointing through his spirit and be blessed with a fruitful ministry unless we operate like Jesus prays for in our verse for the day, John seventeen twenty one. I pray that we will all be one just as you and I are one, 
as you're in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. So unless the world sees us working in unity with God and each other, they won't believe us. We won't be credible witnesses. That is why this is so important. I mean, you can even use worldly examples, teams. I like racing cars, so if you use the an analogy of a, a racing car team, they'll never have a winning team unless they're all working together as a team with the same desire and the same goals. If you... There's different types of races. Some might be a sprint race, might be only 10 laps, and then there's something like the Le Mans 24-hour race. So if you've got the engine builder thinking that he's building an engine for the 24-hour race, where it's got to be focused probably more, more on economy and durability rather than absolute power, and that they're actually putting the car in a sprint race, he's not going to be fast enough. Or conversely, the other way around, if, he's, if the car's supposed to be in the 24-hour race and he builds the sprint engine, which is designed for maximum power and they don't care about fuel economy, it's only got to last 10 laps. It's probably going to blow up. It's not going to last the distance. Why they all need to be on the same page, knowing what they're doing and completing their role in the team for it to all work smoothly and achieve the outcome that they want. So, as a church, I think we need to receive from God the passion, obedience and focus from God as to how he wants us to fulfil his purposes for his church here in Macclesfield. What can we do that will enable people to want to listen, hear and receive his message of love and reconciliation here in Macclesfield? Then we can move forward in unity of spirit with God and each other to effectively achieve his purposes here in Macclesfield and beyond. So in summary, we want to be a church that is one body, which means obediently and effectively being Christ's body in our community and beyond. Who has one mind, which means our minds are firmly fixed on Jesus, his will and his way. That has one purpose, which means we are passionate about actively and fully participating in the purposes of God to help reconcile as many people to God as he allows and grow them into flourishing followers of Jesus. So how can we make this happen? Is, is this all pie in the sky? Or as Daryl would say, steak on the plate <laughs> that we can eat now? <clears throat> well, firstly, we need to consider where we fit into the body, what our role is, and what we can contribute to the church. And that has been why we've been looking at the spiritual gifts, and we'll continue to look at that. Now you may think you may not have much value, or no one ever really sees what you do, but sometimes it's the unseen smallest things that are one are things that are the most crucial to a ministry. I was watching uh, Angus Buchan the other day, and he was talking about his ministry and the importance of intercessory prayer for his ministry. And I believe that is a crucial thing for any ministry. 
And he was saying, when he's uh, earlier in his ministry had two older ladies, and it didn't matter where he was going or, or what he was doing, those two ladies would always be part of his team so they could intercede on behalf. He said no one else ever really saw them except the, the team that travelled with them, but they were constantly praying for what he was doing and for God's presence and anointing and his Holy Spirit to work in wherever he was. Obviously he's mainly a preacher and teacher, evangelist, but now he has one guy in specific task is to be in charge of the intercessory ministry to intercede and they've got a thousand people right around the world that are praying for him and his ministry wherever he goes and whatever he does and so he says you know if he's preaching somewhere there'll be probably a couple of people in the first row of the audience that are not listening to what he's saying but just praying that God's anointing will come and he said when that hasn't happened people don't get healed the fire of the Lord doesn't happen. People's hearts aren't stirred. I think this is a critical piece of the puzzle for our church. So if you feel that God is prompting you to want to be praying for the ministry of this church, please come and see me because we need people that are prepared to be intercessors, to intercede on behalf of the ministry or what the church is doing to be successful for the Holy Spirit to work for the fire to fall as the as it says in that song let the fire fall and the analogy that Angus gave was one of honeybees he said, because that's his, one of his hobbies and he said you realise that if all the honeybees died life on earth would die as well that's how critical they are. We never think about honeybees very much, or we might even despise them, particularly if we've been stung. But they pollinate so many different species of uh, flowers and plants and trees that if they were gone, that wouldn't happen. So much vegetation would end up eventually dying that life would, on Earth would die out. So don't despise the small unseen things because they are incredibly important. Also, inevitably, as we were talking about before, there will be disagreements along the way. People might get upset or hurt by what is said or done because none of us are perfect and these things happen in a family. But what is more important is when these things happen, when you experience friction with others or problems occur, is what we do about it, how we handle it. And Sharon and I, when we were younger, we had the blessing of seeing a lady in Stirling. Um, we were lucky to be part of some of the last days of her life, and she was a very wise lady. I can't remember her name now, unfortunately. I'll call her Grace. But she shared a story um, with us one day, and it sticks with me now because I believe there's true wisdom in it. She just started a new job, mainly because she knew the owner or the boss there, 
but it was a time where there wasn't much work around. And so when she came into the workplace, most of the people there felt threatened because they thought, well, there's not really enough work for her, so what's going to happen to us? Is one of us going to get put out the door? And most of them she managed, she's a very friendly, outgoing lady, um, loves to talk, <laughs> and most of them she won over, and they didn't see her as a threat, but there was one lady, she, they just butted heads, they were arguing, there was friction, upsetting one another, they couldn't get along, and she just didn't know what to do about it, so she sought wise counsel, and she said, well, are you brave enough to go and speak to that person and ask them why they're upset with you, what, what their problems are with you? And just, just listen, don't say anything, just listen. And so she, she did. She went to that person, but she wasn't expecting the avalanche that she got. Apparently she got quite a long list of grievances and problems that this lady had with her, and she, which quite upset her. She went away, had a few tears, and didn't really still know what to do. But she, she, is, this, is this really who I am? And so she spoke to a couple of other wise people who really confirmed that what this lady was saying had a lot of truth in it. And then she said, well, what can I do about it? I don't know how to change. I don't know how to be different. And they said, well, maybe go back to this lady again and ask for her help. Ask if she would be prepared to help you work through some of these issues um, because, you know, you've got to work with her. And so she did. She went back and the lady agreed. And then through working through, and it took some time as they worked through this thing, but she said, my character changed. I became a better person through it. And through this relationship with this lady, they became best friends. So they went from being arch enemies to best friends because this lady had the humility to not just assume that all the problem was the other person's, that maybe there was a possibility that the problem might be her. So what can we learn from this lesson? Well, first, obviously, it's important to, when there is a problem to always go to the Lord. It's because sometimes, even if it, we aren't the problem, it might be that maybe we're holding on to some unforgiveness. Maybe we're reacting badly in the situation and contributing to the friction. And then, like she did, we can ask the person or other persons involved if there is something we're doing in our behaviour that is causing the situation. And then if there is accusations to go before the Lord or maybe seek wise counsel as she did and see if there's any changes that we can make to help that situation. But finally, the Bible teaches that no matter who we are or what our background is, what we think of ourselves, we all have a purpose, a function and a role to play in serving and strengthening the body of Christ, which is his church. This is so we can effectively work together to bring the good news of Jesus' saving grace to those who haven't heard about him yet. So that then they may also have the opportunity to know God and grow in their relationship with him and others. I've probably repeated that at least four times today. 
because I want us to be a church that has that as our aim and goal. So let us learn how to live as one body, with one mind, one purpose, under one God. Amen. Amen.